Religion has a way of confusing things. And religious people have been at confusing things for thousands of years. And it's hard to kind of clean that up. In the text from, Matthew, from Mark chapter 7, that's the whole issue. Uh, Jesus' disciples weren't washing their hands. And over the last 18 months or two years, I've been told to wash my hands so dang many times I can't believe it, right? I, I don't ever like that. Did you wash your hands? No. But the confusion of what is God all about God is not all about washing hands and making sure your hands are clean. God is about making sure you have a clean heart. And in, in that time where they're speaking to Jesus, the, 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 the question of so what was a problem. The so what for the Pharisees to whom Jesus was addressing with those sharp, sharp words was the so what for them was kind of following the rigid laws of God. And if you didn't kind of have yourself beaten into the right path, then the religious people were going to beat you up. And Jesus hated that. I mean, you, my wife would say hate's a strong word. But honestly, Jesus hated that. Because that sort of religion led people away from God and led people away from, from Him. The so what for Jesus was that the outward trappings of religion were nearly as important as having a heart turned towards God. Amen. And so we think a little bit about that today. So what? I drive people nuts. I'll let them talk. You know, when I, when I was young, I uh, celebrated my 30 years in the ministry last week. And I was thinking with my wife about how I'm different than I was when I started. I had a situation when I was a young senior pastor, and there were about 30 of my leaders sitting in Walker Hall, and I was all amped up, kind of, come on, come on, come on, a big decision we were going to make. And I just let out, and I started talking. And the chairman of the congregation that time was one of the best mentors I had in my life. He looked at me and he said, you don't always need to be the first one to talk. Whoa! <sighs> right there, right at the knees. I'm like, okay, looks like I'm done talking, right? But one of the questions I like to ask now that I can sit and let other people talk is, so what? Well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, it's going to make a difference, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, that, this, that, so what? At the end of the day, what difference has the efforts that we put forward made? So what? What's the implication? What, what's going to move the needle? Sometimes we do that in our, in, our, in our own lives, you know, so what? So the kids are on time, so they're not 10 minutes late, so what? So they don't get detention, right? I mean, I, it's that simple. So what if I show up to work and do my job? Well, then you get your raise and your bonus, right? So what? I like to think about that because sometimes things aren't always what we think. The scripture this morning from Ephesians chapter 5 continues on in, in, in these kind of tough words. And it, it wasn't tough words for the people in Ephesus to hear in about 60 AD. It was tough words for us to hear today because we think of the word submission as a bad word. And when I read that, I mean, for some of you, there's going to be like tingling that's going to go up the back of your spine. Don't get up and leave. You'll be okay. Uh, it, it, trust me, there, there's more going on in the so what of Ephesians chapter 5 than uh, maybe what, what you think. This is Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21 and reading through verse 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must love and respect her husband. And then Paul goes on to talk about how children and parents connect. I love this. My son could bring this up. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. <clears throat> Instead, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then a hot button for 21st century America. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way with grace and with love. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. It's interesting to think about that, right? That word submission is almost a dirty word in Western culture. Right now, I've got guys who are sitting in church looking to me saying, Pastor, just calm down and mellow out. I, I, I kind of like the way my life is ordered right now. My wife kind of drives this and drives that, and that's all good. Pastor, if you screw this up in the next 20 minutes, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to leave an offering, and I'm going to be ticked off all day. And there's wives who are sitting saying, Pastor, just say it love for my husband to step up. I'd love for him to lead our family in a, in a more demonstrative way. And the good news, I think, in this text is that the so what of this is that when we think of submission, we think of this, right? This one submitting to this one. We think of a hierarchical way. And in the way of thought here that they're bringing about is Two people with their backs to one another turning toward one another. When we think of submission, we think of force and domineering and those things. The way Paul writes it, it's about people coming together. And I love that. It's not about husbands telling wives what to do. And it's not about wives being quiet and demure to their husbands. It's about men and women together as husband and wife in families creating that first bond of society that makes everything stable. It's not what you think. It's not hierarchical. We're living in a time where everything's kind of up in the air. How'd the last week go? Did you do okay? School was okay? Nobody had any, I mean, I didn't get called to the hospital for any of you to have like a heart attack or anything, so I'm assuming it's okay. Everyone's all right? Well, you don't sound very convinced. I'm going to preach until you're, no, I'm not going to do that either, but but back to school, the, the routine. Everyone's figuring out their new order and their routine. And for some people who maybe haven't been out and about very much, it, 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 that, it's, it's a very important thing. 
I really struggle with that when I babysit my grandson. I'm like, okay, whatever. He gets up, he gets teased. No, no, it's very regimented. And it's regimented for his sake and for his good. Dad, grandpa's not so regimented, but grandpa works on that. But order is an important part of our, of our lives. And finding that order leads us to some semblance of normal. So that every morning is not just an adventure and a, and a hopeful thing and maybe the kids will get to school and maybe I'll get to work and maybe it'll all be before 11 o'clock. There's important things to routine and order and normal. And for some of us, there's a long way to go. I don't know about you, but the whole variant thing has almost been like another punch in the mouth. We had everything figured out, we had everything going on, and then everything kind of changes. And we're like, whoa, 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 we're back to school, we got it all figured out, just relax, we're good. And, and it still seems like there's a long way, a long way to go. So what? So what? Everyone wants to get back to normal, everyone wants to kind of get back to the way it was. We kind of want to have things on the, on the, 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 the things that change seem to be changing so quickly. So what? So what? It would be nice if things would just calm down and mellow out for maybe 30 days. Because it seems every 30 days we're tossed and tossed about. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Normal, routine, together, living together in homes and families. When we hear that word submit, as I said a few minutes ago, we hear this, I'm the boss, get over it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, pastor, you just decide who the boss is, and the boss will boss, and we'll go from there. And it doesn't work like that. In a relationship like that, it becomes very painful to live. One of the things I never like to say is, didn't I tell you? And you statements that say, you did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you said, and you, and blah, 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 and I remember what you did. Relationships like that are like two pieces of sandpaper rubbing against one another. They create friction and heat and collateral damage and don't really get the job done. And so that idea of submission is a whole different thing. What it has to do with is being together, living together. St. Paul is addressing the foundational piece of, of human society. When he made Adam and he made Eve, he made them to live together. When he created them male and female, he created them to make children together. And he created that the family unit would be the first and the best and the closest and the most stable unit in which to build a society, in which to build towns and cities and culture and all of, all of those things. I think you can acknowledge with me that when your family is great and in a good place, you can weather a lot of stuff. But when your family is really struggling, you're hurting in the relationship with your spouse, with a kid is going sideways, when the kids aren't getting along, that that whole idea of together pulls at our heart in a different way. But when family is together, when family is warm, when family is inclined to love and care for each other, when you're, when you're in rhythm with your spouse... When your kids are in rhythm with you, there's something beautiful that goes on. And that's what St. Paul is talking about here. It's not about one being higher than the other. It's about opening up together. About husbands and wives leaning into and having hearts open for one another. Sometimes that's really hard. When we've opened up and been wounded, 
either through a previous experience in the marriage we're in or through the previous marriage that we've been in and now you're starting new, sometimes it's super hard to open up and be vulnerable and say, you've got my heart, it's good, I trust you. Sometimes it's hard to open up because we're afraid we're going to get smoked or smoked again. And what Paul is saying here, that as people who live by grace and faith in Jesus Christ, people who have that relationship with the Lord Jesus at the core of their marriage, that with forgiveness and grace and mercy, it's okay to open up one to another. Wives and husbands. The first thing he says is, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Open up to your husband. Love and care. Be warmly inclined towards your husband. Open your heart. Let your husband into that place that is vulnerable and, and trust him in that. And then Paul goes on even more about husbands and their responsibility to their wives. And that's a tough one. He says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I don't know, fellas, what you remember about Jesus and his thing, but we talk a lot about the cross. Jesus died for his church. He sacrificed so deeply and so gravely for his church that he actually gave his life for his church. And husbands, as we open up to our wives, God calls us to that same vulnerability. Instead of being the tough guy who takes his sword and shield into the world, he calls us to let our hearts be opened and to sacrifice for our wives and our families in a way that leaves self behind and lifts up our wives in the way that Christ lifted up the church. Sometimes that's silly, right? And you sit on the couch and you say, well, we'll watch what you want to watch. That's cool. Eh, it's a little thing. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. Let's have a, uh, we like the pastrami pizza. Get, let's get a pastrami pizza. That sounds good. Oh, but those are little things as opposed to husbands and wives being on the same way in which they connect to one another and the vulnerability and the love that they share in their relationship. Also, the togetherness that comes as husbands and wives raise children together. Because when a mom and dad are on the same page, kids grow up to be resilient and strong. And they grow up to be tough in the best sense and vulnerable in the best sense as well. So what to Ephesians chapter 5? The so what is family. Your family, my family, and the family of faith that is the church, called to open up to one another, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, so that the community of the church and the community of our families linked together looks like nothing else in the whole world. And we tease a little bit about tribe and clan, and uh, this is where my ancestors came from and all of that, but the reality is this from Ephesians chapter 5, that we hold more in common in Christ together this morning than any other affinity group we would ever, ever be a part of. So what? The so what is that people are together 
and that people are connected in a community that allows them to be both vulnerable and resilient at the same time. I love that. And then Paul takes it out a little more. And you kind of wonder, right? He's like, this is Christ in the church, husbands and wives and families. This is Christ in the church. And he comes back. I, I love this week because we started school. Wednesday was complete pandemonium. Do you know, and we've never seen this happen before. I know Joan's out here. She told me, I think it was Joan, I think it was you told me this, that the street sweeper guy came through and the people parked behind him. They wrote tickets the first time and then they wrote tickets again. Wow. They must have had us on the radar. And anyone who needs that ticket paid, Stefan has offered to pay every ticket that everyone got this weekend. But that Wednesday with all the people and all the families and the sanctuary full of people worshiping and kids singing and Dr. Hollett's going bonkers and all, it was just wonderful because it's a family of faith. We're all together in that. Your kids are my kids and my kids are your kids and our families all gathered together as churches and Christians and people put themselves back to back and face to face with Jesus. The safety of the love of God for us. Paul went through Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 and spoke of the Lord's great love. He spoke of being saved by grace through faith. He talked about not having to be fearful of God because Jesus suffered and died on the cross and rose from the dead. And it's not an angry God that we submit to. It's a God of love who envelops us and loves us and holds us close. And in Jesus, we have the blessing of his great love and of his great peace, peace that transcends our understanding, peace that transcends all of the loose ends in our life, peace that transcends the vulnerability we feel when we open ourselves up to other people. Peace in Christ that creates a society and a culture that's worth living The church is not called to be the social activist party or the political action committee of either political party in the United States. It's called to be the living, breathing embodiment of Christ in the world. Christ in the church. And you and me dialed in to community. So that we can have this. I love this from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Lead a peaceful quiet and godly life. Lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This pleases God our Savior. And the next word of that, the next phrase is, who wants all people to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and be saved. So what? So you sleep at night? So you have peace in your soul? So you live at peace with other people? That's the marvelous so what of God's plan here in Ephesians 5. So that Christian families are building blocks of society as husbands and wives love and care for each other, as children love and care in their families are cared for and care for one another and their parents. And then all the other strata of society fills itself out. Laborers and bosses, slaves and masters, extremely prevalent in the first century world. Somehow when the first pieces are put together, the other pieces have a way of locking in. So that all of us share a sense of hope. 
the mission statement of our church is uh, delivering the restorative hope of Jesus. I think as we order our lives according to God's plan, there's a hope that grows in our souls. So many times Lutheran Christians like to say, here's the line and how close can I get to the line without crossing it? In the last 10 or 12 years, I've, I've, I've found myself repeating back, uh, retreating back to the core. And instead of saying, how far can I go to the edge? I'm saying, how close can I stay to the cross? Because where the cross of Christ is, there is this marvelous gift of hope. So what? So what? Jesus came and died and rose for you. So what? The so what for us today in this text is the so what of hope. Hope in Jesus, hope for the future, and hope shared in the community of faith. Please join me in prayer. Thanks, Lord, for gathering together today for this little piece of your family of faith at St. John's Orange, gathered to, to sing, to pray, to hear your word. I pray this morning, Lord, for those uh, homes and families where a message like this just is like boxing Manny Pacquiao or going into a UFC fight. I pray for your hand of peace to be on those families that are struggling, where a kid is losing it, where mom and dad are afraid, where, where your spirit's intervention can come in and turn hearts that are cold and can turn them back to one another. Granted, the platform for that, the opportunity to have that conversation, I pray that you would protect hearts in the vulnerability of that and that ears would be open and mouths would be appropriately muted so that that conversation can go on and that it may be filled with grace and with love. Thank you for our church, for all those things we celebrate this week, for all the stuff that's on our website that helps make families stronger and more resilient, and every opportunity we have to share the profound, loving heart of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.